Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about gold and specifically, you know, should you invest in gold? Does it make a good investment? Uh, and I was watching a YouTube video produced by a ETF manager called BetaShares. Uh, they're a very large ETF manager in Australia, so probably you're probably familiar with the name. A- anyway, they compared uh, differing views from Warren Buffett to billionaire fund manager Ray Dalio. Uh, Ray Dalio is quite high profile. He's produced uh, Bridgewater Capital, which is his firm, has produced uh, pretty good returns for a long period of time. Uh, so they're two fund managers I definitely respect, but really interesting to see that they've both got very they've got differing views in respect to to gold and investing in it. Uh, and I find that quite interesting, really, if you've got two people with many many decades of experience that have that have been successful investors and billionaires in their own right, have kind of two different views on a particular let's call it an asset class. I don't know if you would call gold an asset class or at least a sub-asset class. Uh, Anyway, I thought um, let's have a look at the evidence because, of course, as an evidence-based investor, that's kind of the first starting point is if we had have invested in gold uh, in the past, how would have we done? Because that, that can give us some indication to what we might expect in the future. So I had a look at the gold price since 1970 uh, and it uh, showed that gold has appreciated at a rate of almost 7, well, just above 7.5% per annum uh, over that sort of 50 or 52-year period, which is uh, nothing to sneeze at for an asset that is supposed to be a safe haven. So that's quite uh, interesting. However, if you dissect the performance, we can see that between 1980 and mid-2002, the price of gold fell by about 60% or around about 4% per annum negative return over that period of time. So for 22 years, you've lost money by investing in gold. Now between 02 and 011, uh, the price of gold rose by about 20% per annum, so very strong growth. Uh, And really gold's trading at sort of current currently trading at 2011 uh, levels so really the last 11 years have produced well it's dipped and then it's kind of returned but really uh, the last 11 years have produced uh, zero returns so whilst gold over a very long period of time so five decades has uh, produced some pretty decent returns we can see it's not um, unrealistic to expect you know, to experience, you know, 20 to 10 to 20 year cycles of either negative returns or uh, very positive returns. So the upshot, I guess, on the evidence is that if you're going to invest in gold, you know, you most certainly want to do it for many, many decades and have that very, very long term horizon. Now, whilst I'm not a short term investor by any stretch of the imagination, I'm also not an investor that's going to invest in an asset class or sub asset class with the expectation I'm going to hold that investment for 50 years, of course, the whole point of investing is that one day uh, we will either use the money, either spend it or gift it to someone. So, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So let's look at some of the reasons why people invest in gold. Uh, Firstly, gold is seen as a defensive investment, I should say. So that is when investors become concerned about, you know, future returns in equity markets as a result of 
you know, volatility or economic uncertainty or those sorts of things. They seek a safe haven. Uh, so, and gold is one of those safe havens. It's seen a way of preserving wealth because it's a scarce metal, of course, and uh, as long as uh, demand exceeds uh, supply and really gold, uh, you know, supply is finite, uh, both either above the ground and, and underneath it. Uh, and so it's seen as a, a pretty safe way to sort of park your money. Uh, secondly, gold can be seen as a better storage of value than currencies. Uh, so obviously the value of a, a particular country's currency can change, can be volatile. Uh, third world countries are more volatile or non-developed countries are more volatile, of course, than developed countries. But even so, um, you look at the Aussie dollar over the last couple of years, it's been pretty volatile itself. Uh, trading, you know, in a pretty sort of wide range. So, uh, whereas gold is seen as uh, more of a safe haven because you can't really change supply and demand. Uh, well, demand can change, but you can't change supply. Whereas with currency, you can change supply uh, through monetary policy, uh, such as uh, quantitative easing and, and so forth, which can devalue a currency. So I've never really been a big fan of investing in gold, and I thought I'd share some of the reasons why I personally aren't attracted to it. Uh, so firstly, it doesn't produce any income. So unlike other defensive assets like bonds, for example, or infrastructure or some property investments, they tend to produce income. So if you have an investment that generates at least some level of income, then you're less reliant or maybe not reliant at all on any change in, in capital value of that investment. Whereas gold doesn't produce any income, so the only way I'm going to earn a uh, generate an investment return uh, is if the price uh, rises over time. And we saw, you know, between uh, 1980 and 2002, actually gold lost 60% of its value. So it's not actually that safe for investment, in my view. Uh, and I guess it depends on you know when you buy. So if you if you buy after 20 years of negative returns, maybe. You know, your upside is much greater and your downside is quite limited. Um, but as a long-term investor that might be regularly investing in this asset class, uh, you know, history tells us that uh, it, it's quite possible you might have 20 years of negative returns. Uh, secondly, the only way the um, value of gold can go up is if demand rises. Now, about 80% of the world's gold is used for jewellery. Uh, so therefore, really, if you're investing in gold, what you're doing is taking a strong position that demand for jewellery will continue to rise. Well, that's probably not a risky bet. Um, but the point is that there's only uh, it's single point sensitive on that demand factor. Whereas if we're investing in a stock, there's lots of things that a company can do to increase its share price. You know, it can start new businesses, new revenue streams, improve existing revenue streams, uh, improve management, improve pricing of their goods and services, all those sorts of things that they can have a play around with. So there's a little bit more upside in, in respect to that. So if I want to invest defensively, so if I'm really concerned about uh, the share market, what do I do? Well, probably the most common defensive investment is bonds or are bonds, I should say. Uh, so bonds tend to have a negative correlation with shares, which means that when shares fall, bonds tend to rise. Uh, but there have actually been three times over almost the past 100 years that that hasn't occurred uh, and that bonds have been positively correlated, which means that stocks and bonds have fallen in the same year. Uh, unfortunately, it's happened three times, as I said, in the last 100 years, 1931, 1969 
And believe it or not, 2022, this year, as I've spoken about in previous episodes. Uh, so, but normally bonds are seen as a, a bit of a safe haven, uh, particularly higher rated bonds, so government and treasury debt uh, that might be AAA rated. Uh, and the benefit of, the, uh, of those sorts of investments is they generate a regular income stream, often paid at least a couple of times a year, uh, often or even sometimes quarterly. Uh, and that that sort of reduces, as I said, reduces the um, uh, the need to generate capital growth off that investment. Some shares can be seen as more defensive than others. Uh, so sectors like consumer staples, healthcare, energy, utilities, they tend to be quite defensive stocks. Uh, also higher, uh, high dividend yielding stocks that are very robust, so very good quality businesses that have a long history of, of paying out uh, high dividend returns. Uh, they can be seen as a bit defensive as well because, again, more income return, less reliance on capital growth. Now, before we start talking about defensive investments, it probably makes sense to ask ourselves the question, should we be investing defensively? So that is, should we be second-guessing the market and really uh, thinking about, oh, God, what happens if the war in Ukraine sort of breaks out or... China invades Taiwan or something like that happens that's going to cause a lot of volatility in the share market, you know, maybe we should make some changes to our investment. Should we be doing that? Uh, well, I actually believe that you shouldn't. And I believe that you should adopt a long-term asset allocation that's aligned with your risk profile and stick with it. And there's other ways that you can kind of accommodate those risks uh, and reduce the risk in the portfolio uh, as opposed to drastically changing your asset allocation and going more defensive. Now, of course, if your risk profile changes, so particularly if you're into retirement or even deep into retirement, quite often for clients in that situation, capital preservation is a lot more important than capital returns, which means that you tend to have a more defensively or less aggressively invested portfolio. That's fine. It's okay to change your asset allocation if your risk profile changes, but I don't think you should materially change your asset allocation just because you perceive uh, that there might be future risks. But as I said, what you can do instead is adopt different um, uh, allocations and different methodologies uh, to reduce the portfolio's risk. And the best way, there's two ways that, um, uh, that I like to do that. And I prefer, obviously, to use low-cost rules-based evidence-based uh, approaches uh, and if I tilt towards uh, quality and value, uh, I think that reduces the risk in the portfolio. So value involves investing in ind an index of stocks that represent good value for money. So that is, you know, they're trading at, at uh, low price-to-book ratios or price-to-earnings ratios. Quality refers to an index of companies that meet certain quality metrics such as strong balance sheets, stable profitability, cash flow, consistent dividends, and so on. So if I start adopting those sort of indexing strategies as opposed to traditional market cap indexing, I can still remain invested just in case I'm wrong, of course, uh, and uh, there isn't any turmoil in the future and returns are actually quite good. Uh, but at the same time, I'm reducing the risk in the portfolio um, by investing in better quality companies or better value companies. And so if my entry price, value price, is, uh, is attractive, then we know statistically, long-term, my returns are likely to be better than average. 
So therefore, just to sum up, I don't think gold is a good investment. Uh, I have never recommended it yet to a client. I can see maybe sometimes in history or you know a long time, uh, you know, particularly after you know if gold drops sixty percent over the next uh, couple of years, for example, maybe it becomes a, a an attractive short term investment. Uh, but I think anyone that's been listening to this podcast for any longer than a couple of months would know that I am not distracted by shiny objects uh, and not interested in short-term investments. So I, I doubt that I would ever recommend gold, but I guess you never say never. Um, I just think there's better assets to invest in other than gold uh, that are going to probably produce better returns uh, for lower risk. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, bye for now.